You are listening to the Kensington Church Podcast, recorded live in Michigan. To learn more about Kensington, visit kensingtonchurch.org. Good morning. We are so glad that you're here with us today. If if you are available, if you're able and willing, we invite you to stand and sing out with us this morning. Here we go. Sometimes on this journey, I get lost in my mistakes. What looks to me like weakness is a canvas for your strength. My story isn't over, my story's just begun. Failure won't define me, cause that's what my father does. Failure won't define me, cause that's what my father does. Welcome, everyone. You all can have a seat. Hey, happy Sunday, everybody, to all of you here. And for those of you watching on stream, grateful that you are joining us via stream at our Troy campus today. You guys ready to go today? 
Awesome, fantastic. And so that song is a great way for us to start our day because that line, it says, failure is never final when the Father is in the room. And that is a perfect summary of where we are headed today as we're in the second week of our series, Shaking the Family Tree. But before we get to that, I just want to let you know about a few very important things and really exciting things that are happening in the next few months. And the first is actually happening this coming Wednesday, and it is our midweek service. And if you don't know what midweek is, it is our Wednesday night service that happens on the second Wednesday of every month. And this coming Wednesday, we're not going to be in here like we typically are, but because it's summer and it's gorgeous outside, we are going to be moving out to the East Lawn. And so we'd love for you to join us at 6 because we're going to have a light dinner. Uh, There's going to be dessert games, but it's just a great opportunity for us as a community to come together as well as to connect with one another. And then at 7 o'clock, we're going to have our service, and Aaron Hicks, who is, and he and his family are launching a church out in the Romulus area this coming October, and Kensington is a part of launching them out. He's going to be here, and he's going to be sharing his story, which is powerful, and he's a great communicator. And so we'd love for you to join us this Wednesday, starting at 6, and then the service at 7 o'clock. Something else that I want to mention is happening on August 21st, and it is Rock Your Family. And Rock Your Family is a camp, and it's typically in the past, it has been over an entire weekend, but this year we are condensing it all into one day, an action-packed, fun-filled day. And it's going to be happening about an hour away from here in a place called Covenant Hills. And there is a ton of fun to be had. There's a zip line, rock wall, tons of water activities. And Steve and Paula Andrews, two of our co-founders, they're going to be there as well, leading us in one of those sessions. And so we'd love for you to join us, invite other families to come with you as well. And so if you would like more information, if you would like to sign up, just go to the website, kensingtonchurch.org forward slash RYF, or you can go to the app as well. And as many of you know, in the past year, we have been searching for a Kensington lead pastor. And so what we wanted to do today is that we wanted to provide you with an update as to where the search process is. And so we would love for you to check out this video. And our elders who are leading this process wanted to provide us with an update. So let's take a look at this together. Hi, everybody. Uh, I'm sitting here with actually two lifelong Kensington members and friends members of our elder board, Mike Carnell, has been one of our lead elders for many, many years, Ping Lee, the last three years. We're here to share with you where we are with our senior pastor search committee. For as long as I can remember, my goals and dreams regarding Kensington's direction never went past 2020. I can't explain it, I don't understand why, but when succession talks began several years ago, it became clear that 2020 was a year that Dave, Mark, and I would hand off leadership to the next generation. So three years ago, we pursued outside guidance from a professional consultant in church succession planning. And he encouraged us that it would be worthwhile to have an interim period to prepare the way for new permanent leader of Kensington. Danny Cox has been the interim executive pastor since I officially handed off leadership to him last July. And wow, never when we were considering our succession plan did we have any idea that this worldwide pandemic would crush everybody. In many ways, this delayed us beginning to consider who the next permanent leader of Kensington should be. I want you to know this from my heart. Throughout this past year, our executive team, along with the lead pastors and all the leaders of our teams and campuses, have done an awesome job. I'm unbelievably proud and grateful for all of them in what I would consider the most difficult period of ministry by far in my lifetime. And though we always had the, the intention a beginning succession transition in 2020, the elders are certainly recognizing the need to install permanent senior leadership at Kensington. And as the restrictions of the pandemic have eased, hallelujah, they have been pursuing that goal and I really appreciate that. Yeah, so the elders committed very early on to submit this entire process to God and his leading. We ask questions like, what do you want to show us, Lord? We ask for wisdom and clarity. So from the beginning, we commit to the due diligence of pursuing a two-track strategy. Uh, We have met with the internal candidates and are open for more conversation about what the future could look like under the leadership from within. We have also begun a target nationwide search for outside candidates with the help of our succession planning consultant Progress on that front has been slower, 
than what we wanted. But it is a focus for the summer. We have also engaged Kensington executive team and leader, lead teachers for feedback throughout this process. Mm-hmm. Yeah, thank you. Thank you, Ping Lee. It is great to be able to work with the lead pastors and the executive team. Please know that the elders recognize the urgency of this need, but are also convinced that it requires great patience as we follow God's leading. God's timing is not always our timing, um, but we trust him. At the conclusion of this season of searching, you, the members of Kensington, will have the opportunity to affirm uh, a leader. It's really in your hands at that point. So we ask you to pray with and for us as we continue this search. As your elder board, we're here. Welcome your questions about the process. You can stay informed by visiting kensingtonchurch.org slash succession. Even with the uncertainty, we have great hope. God is faithful and good people are seeking God's will and working diligently towards an amazing future for this community. Jesus' intention is to draw people together and now more than ever, we need each other, the church. Thank you, brother. And I wanna thank you, all of you for just being in this journey with us. When I look back on this year, I'm overwhelmed with how great our staff team has been. It would actually be impossible for me to describe how thankful I, I have been for the elder board these last three years. I think I could say for Mark and Dave and all of our team, none of this has been easy. But what a cool thing to, to be able to lean into Jesus in, in the uncertainties of life. I mean, that's what life is. And I'm also proud and grateful for you, your partnership. I mean, you, you stayed in this and I, I will forever be grateful for God giving you to me and to us and to the team. I don't know one person in this journey who has, hasn't had their heart on Jesus. And I'm, I'm really proud of you. And I just want to say to you, as we move ahead, we are asking you to double up on your prayers, that God would be leading this team and giving them wisdom, giving to uh, the direction that Jesus wants us to go in and knowing that God's got a leader earmarked for us somewhere out there. And we're going to be faithful to follow Jesus, all of us, every step of the way, and including when God leads us to that person. So thank you. You know I love you and I'm always grateful for you and we'll keep you posted. And I am grateful for Mike and Pang, as well as Steve and the rest of our elders, our executive team, as well as our lead pastors. But at the same time, someone I want to acknowledge and recognize is our very own Danny Cox. Because over this past year and a half... You guys beat me to the punch, but over this past year and a half, he has done an incredible job of leading us through, as Steve mentioned, the most turbulent and difficult time in the history of our community. And he's not only led us as a campus, but he has led our entire Kensington movement. And this past year and a half, I have learned so much from him about what it means to actually lead with vision and courage and to make very, very difficult decisions and how to navigate all of this. And so Danny's not here today because he is on a much deserved vacation, but I know that he is going to be watching. Maybe he's watching right now, but I know at some point he's going to be watching. So can we do that again and give him, make a huge amount of noise to express our appreciation for him? We love and appreciate you, Danny. And also, as Steve mentioned, something that I want to encourage and challenge all of us with, if we haven't been doing it already, is to pray. To pray for our search committee, to pray for the search process, to pray for our community as we continue to navigate this season. And so in a moment, that's exactly what I wanted to do and for all of us to join together and to be able to pray. But at the same time, I also want to mention, if you have any questions about this search process, you can either reach out to myself or Mervette since Danny is on vacation, or you can also reach out to our elders who are leading this process. And for their contact information, just go to our website, kensingtonchurch.org forward slash elders. And so would you join me in prayer? And so, God, we thank you, and I am so incredibly grateful. We are grateful, Lord, that you love and you are the leader of this community. And we thank you, Lord, for navigating and guiding us through this season. Thank you for Danny, 
Lord, and giving him so much wisdom and strength, Lord, as he has led us so well, not just as a campus, but also as a movement, Lord, as Kensington. And so, Lord, I pray that during this time, Lord, that you would give him and Amy and their family, Lord, that it would, this time away would be restorative, Lord, would be refreshing, God, as only, Lord, you can fill us up, Lord, that you would fill him and his family in the same way. But we are so grateful, Lord, for his heart, for his vision, for the skills and abilities that you have given him, Lord. And also, Lord, we pray for this search process, God. We thank you, Lord, that you know the person, Lord, and you have this person in mind who will lead us in this next season. And so, Lord, we pray that you would help us to be patient, God. Help us also give us strength and wisdom and discernment during this process, especially for our search committee, especially for our elders, Lord, as they lead us in this, Lord. And so we pray that as a community that we would continue to look to you, continue to be led by your spirit and lean into you as well. And so we are grateful, and we pray these things in your son's name. Amen. And so today, we are in the second week of our series, Shaking the Family Tree. And just as a heads up, I want to let all of us know, but especially for those of us who have young children, over the next three weeks, we are going to be delving into a little bit of mature material. And so for those of us who have young children, we wanted to provide you with an alternative as to what your children can do, whether you're here in person or whether you are watching online. So let's take a look at this video together. Good morning, Kensington Church. We are so glad we can be together today. My name is Michelle McCoy, and I'm part of the Kensington Kids teaching team here at the Troy campus. We love our K-Kids and want to give them every opportunity to connect with God and develop a friendship with Jesus. Our big church service today deals with some graphic subjects that may be disturbing for young children, and we want to give you an alternative. Did you know that we provide in-person and online age-appropriate Bible lessons for every single week? We do. Online, you can go to kensingtonchurch.org slash kensington-kids slash, and your child can watch the Ollie video for early childhood or the so-and-so show for elementary students. In person, we offer weekly lessons for children ages birth through fifth grade. We call it K-Kids. Our program is specifically designed to reach kids through every phase of life. Each week in both our early childhood and elementary programs, we use games, singing and dancing, skits and storytelling to introduce children to the truth of Christ as found in scripture. A second important part of our elementary programming is small group, where students build relationships with same age peers led by enthusiastic leaders and staff. Our volunteers are wonderful and have a longing desire to see Jesus made known to the next generation. We also love gathering outside of our church buildings at monthly family events, including bowling, ice skating, sledding, splash pads, games and movie nights, meetups at parks and beaches. The list goes on and on. We are excited to get together. Come and check us out. We can't wait to see you. And so my kids, they, are, they go to K-Kids every Sunday at 9 a.m. And every time they have a blast. And so if you have young children, we'd love for you to check out these options, especially over these sev next several weeks. But as I mentioned, we're in the second week of our series, Shaking the Family Tree. And this series that we are in, it is based off of the genealogy of Jesus that's found actually in the very beginning of the Gospel of Matthew. And when we actually look at the scriptures, there are several genealogies that are included. And as I was looking at this genealogy, it just reminded me of my childhood when I was reading the Bible. And whenever I would come to a genealogy, I would basically be like, skip, right? Because it was filled with names that I didn't recognize and honestly names that I couldn't pronounce. Anyone else do this ever before? Exactly. A lot of us have. But these genealogies are in there for a reason. And one of the main reasons is, is that they actually show us more about the heart of God. And in this genealogy that's in the Gospel of Matthew, there are a lot of names that are listed. But in these names, there are names of five women, which was absolutely unheard of at the time in that male-dominated culture. And so when we look at this genealogy, what, a couple of questions that we have to ask are, like, who are these women? And what were their stories? And what do they actually tell us about God? And last week, Aaron did a fantastic job of kicking off this series, and he introduced us to a powerful leader that's listed in this genealogy named Ruth. And when we actually look at Ruth's story, what we see is, is that we gain a glimpse of God's hesed. 
his steadfast, always present, always with us love. And one of the things that Aaron mentioned is that this has said, just as it was with Ruth millenniums ago, it continues to be with us today. And so today, we're going to be continuing on in this series by looking at another powerful female leader in this genealogy. And really, to set up the day, Tori and our band are going to lead us in a musical thought that really speaks to where we're headed. So let's take this song in together. i 
that is a powerful, powerful song. And the emotions that it actually talks about in this song are emotions that every single one of us have experienced in our lives, whether it be heartbreak, disappointment, hopelessness, or fear. And for some of us, maybe for many of us, there are emotions that we're experiencing right now. And when we find ourselves in these places, God does what only He can do, and that He enters into our lives and He meets us where we are. And He infuses and He brings into our life things like hope and joy, light and life. Because as we just heard in this song, it's His nature, it's just simply what He does. And therefore, God is a God of restoration and redemption. And that's what we see all throughout history over and over and over again. And that's also what we're gonna see in the life of this woman in the Old Testament named Rahab, a woman whose past was filled with pain, shame, as well as guilt. And so as we continue on today, would you join me in prayer? So Lord, we thank you, God. We thank you, Lord, that this is who you are. It's your nature. Lord, it's your nature to bring these things into our life, things that are beautiful, things that are good, Lord. And thank you, Lord, that you desire for every single one of us, Lord, to experience that, to experience that newness, Lord. And so, Lord, I don't know how we all walked in here, Lord, but I do know that some of us, we walked in here or we started streaming, Lord, and there is a huge weight on our shoulders, God. And I thank you, Lord, that you know these things. And I pray that today that you would meet each of us, Lord, who are feeling that way where we are, Lord, and that you would do what only you could do and that you would bring beauty and hope and life into our lives in a greater way. And so we thank you, Lord, and we pray these things in your son's name. Amen. And so as I was thinking about this message in this past week, I was just looking at, I was watching TV one night and there was like a lot of sports on. And I was just reminded of the fact that right now, if you are into sports, it is a great season to be a sports fan. Because this past week, the Tampa Bay Lightning, they just won the Stanley Cup. We're in the middle of the NBA Finals. The Olympics are just around the corner as well. And for all of, the, all of you who are fans of the Olympics and are planning to tune in, we actually have a local Kensington connection who is actually going to be there as well. And her name is Annie Laser, and she is going to be swimming in the breaststroke. And she is incredible, incredible swimmer. And if you don't know her story, I'd encourage you to Google it because she has gone through and her family has gone through so much over these past several months. But when she is swimming that breaststroke, we want to invite you to be there, watch and tune in and cheer her on as well. But in addition to all of these things, there's like baseball and tennis and soccer. And so there's so much going on. But at the same time, we know as people who live in this country, the most popular sport in the United States is what? Football, exactly. And I actually counted, but we are only 25 days away from the start of the NFL preseason. Does that make anybody happy? Exactly. Most popular sport in our country. And I was thinking, it's only 25 days away from the Detroit Lions beginning their march to NFL glory and winning their fifth NFL championship. Do I have any believers in here? couple and then other people who are laughing. Awesome. But for everyone who clapped and everyone who cheered, I know you all believe in miracles because it's going to take an act of God for that to happen this year. But for hardcore football fans, the season actually doesn't begin with the preseason or even the regular season. It actually begins in the spring with the draft. And in the draft, there are more than 250 players who are selected. And I can imagine for every single one of these players growing up, they had dreams of being chosen first, of the NFL commissioner coming up to that podium and saying, with the first overall pick, whatever team chooses this person. Sort of like when we were on the playground as kids and we were all lined up against the fence and there were two captains in charge of selecting those teams. And for all of us, we wanted to be chosen first. And if not first, we definitely didn't want to be chosen last. But unfortunately, there's always someone who's chosen last. And it's not a great feeling because I was chosen last many times. But so there's always someone who's chosen last, including in the NFL draft. And does anyone know what title is given to the last player who is chosen in the draft? Thank you, Mr. Irrelevant. Thank you very much. And this year's Mr. Irrelevant was none other, none, none other than this man, a guy by the name of Grant Stewart, a linebacker out of the University of Houston. 
And so imagine being that guy, working hard your entire life, playing a game that you love, sacrificing so much, and you are finally drafted into the NFL. You have your dreams come true, and then you are slapped with this label, with this title. Basically, you are told that you are mystery relevant, and you are told that, hey, you know what? You're not that important. You're not, that's, you're not very significant. You're not useful, and you probably won't make an impact because you probably won't even make the team. And all throughout history, there have been people who have been given a similar message, people who have been told you're irrelevant, people who have been told in one form or another, you're not strong enough, you're not smart enough, you're not qualified enough, you're not good enough, you are not enough. But when God looked at them, he saw something very, very different. And he said to them, in me, you are strong enough. In me, you are smart enough. In me, you are qualified enough. In me, you are enough. And I know for every single one of us here and watching on stream that we've all received this message in one form or another at some point in our lives. And that we've been told that you're not good enough or you've made too many mistakes or you've hurt too many people. You're damaged goods and God could never, ever use you. But what the truth is, is the truth is actually the opposite, is that God can and he will use us. When we lean into him and when we say yes to him, he is able to do unimaginable things, not only in our life, but also through our life as well. And that's what we're going to see through the life of this woman that we're looking at named Rahab. And what we have to understand about Rahab is that she lived at a very interesting time in the history of Israel. And so just to give you a little bit of a snapshot as to everything that had happened, a guy by the name of Moses, he, the guy who God used to liberate his people from slavery in Egypt and had led the Israelites for so many years, decades, this, Moses was now dead. And so a man named Joshua was now leading God's people. And in addition to all of that, the Israelites had been wandering around in the desert for 40 years, which was their punishment for their disobedience, for not believing that God could actually give them this land that he had promised centuries earlier, this land called Canaan. And so all of this was now happening. But now what the Israelites faced was that they were now on the precipice of entering into the promised land. So an amazing thing was about to happen. They had been waiting for four decades for this. But there was one problem, and it was a big one. Because in this promised land, there were already people living there, and they were big people, and they were powerful people, which meant that they couldn't just waltz in and take it, but they would have to conquer it. And the first obstacle in their path was a city called Jericho. And archaeological evidence suggests that Jericho, it was a walled city, but it didn't just have one wall, it actually had two. Because if you look at this image, the outer wall was about 40 feet tall, and then it led to a steep embankment that led to a second wall that was about 25 feet tall. And therefore, people believed that this city was absolutely impenetrable. You could not conquer it. But Joshua, as the leader of the Israelites, he knew better. And he, he had experienced God coming through for his people over and over and over again. So he looked at this supposedly impenetrable city, and he believed that just as God had come through for them in the past, that he would do so again. And so he sent two spies in the city to gather some new information, some intel. And these spies, they needed to get in and out fast and undetected. Think Jason Bourne, think Ethan Hunt, not Austin Powers or even like Daniel Craig's 007 because sometimes I watch those movies and I'm like, does this guy actually know what he's doing? But this is who they needed to be, right? They, these spies, they need to be in and out fast. And while they were in the city of Jericho, they actually met a prostitute named Rahab. And when some people read this, they're like, hey, wink, wink, nudge, nudge. I guess it wasn't all business. But honestly, when they met Rahab, it was, Rahab's house was actually the perfect cover for these two spies because scholars believe that it was more like an inn slash brothel, which meant that travelers and outsiders and strangers are going in and out all the time. And so it was a place where they could be inconspicuous, where they could just sort of hide away and blend in with all the strangers. But their plan failed because somebody recognized them, somebody reported them to the local authorities, and this news quickly got up to the king, and the king sent a handful of his officials to Rahab's house, and this is what they demanded. They said, bring out the men who came to you and entered your house, because they have come to spy out the whole land. And so they're basically saying to Rahab, hand these guys over, we know they're inside, we know they came here, so why don't you just give them to us? And honestly, if we were Rahab, we probably would have. 
because to help these two spies actually meant that she was committing treason and it was punishable. It could be punishable by death, but she didn't. And she did something completely different, which was this. And it says, but the woman, meaning Rahab, had taken the two men and hidden them. And she said, yes, the men came to me, but I didn't know where they had come from. And at dusk, when it was time to close the city gate, they left. I don't know which way they went. Go after them quickly. You may catch up to them. But she had taken them up to the roof and hidden them under the stalks of flax she had laid out on the roof. So the men set out in pursuit of the spies on the road that leads to the fords of the Jordan. And as soon as the pursuers had gone out, the gate was shut. And so what these officials do is that they don't even do their due diligence. These guys want so badly to catch these spies. They don't even search Rahab's house. They just take her word for it and off they go. And after these guys were gone, Rahab went up to her roof and had this conversation with those two spies. She said to them, I know that the Lord has given you this land and that a great fear of you has fallen on us so that all who live in this country are melting in fear because of you. We have heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea for you when you came out of Egypt and what you did to Sion and Og, the two kings of the Amorites east of the Jordan, whom you completely destroyed. And so basically what had happened, what God had done for his people, this message had gone before them and the people knew. And it says that when we heard of it, Rahab says, our hearts melted in fear and everyone's courage failed because of you. And this next statement, I feel like, is one of the most profound statements in all the scriptures. For the Lord your God is God in heaven above and on the earth below. And that statement right there is probably one of the most powerful confessions of who God is in all of the Bible. And one of the things that Rahab was convinced of was that she was convinced that the God of the Israelites was the one true God. There was no one else. Because one of the things with the Canaanites is that they worshiped a lot of gods. But what she basically had said was, you know what, all of these other gods, they're totally fake. They're frauds. And that God who has won victory after victory after victory for those people and who are on our doorstep, I'm going all in with him. And that's the reason why she chose to hide these spies rather than hand them over to those officials of the king. And this statement that she made where she said, you know what, I'm going all in with God is the same statement that people make when they're baptized. Because when they go into the water and when they come out, basically what they are publicly professing is that they are saying, I am going all in with Jesus. And if you have never been baptized and you are a Jesus follower, we would love for you to take that step. And we actually have a baptism coming up on August 11th. And it's going to be happening right here at our Troy campus, right on the East Lawn, right where midweek is happening this Wednesday. And so the information is right there. So if you'd like more information, if you would like to sign up, all you have to do is go to that website, kensingtonchurch.org forward slash baptism, or you can also sign up via our app as well. But also, before we actually get back to the story, we also wanted to receive our offering for the day as well. And our offering, this moment, is a continuation of our worship. And it really is not about money, but really is it about, it's about mission. Really for us as a community, participating in what God is doing, both locally as well as globally as well. And even this morning, we actually got, our staff got an email from Jay Lucarelli, who is our global director. And right now he's in Western Kenya with the POCOT. And he actually sent an email to us saying, talking about a brand new church that started in Western Kenya. And this church, it meets under a tree. They have one Bluetooth speaker and that's their audio system. And occasionally there are goats that will pass right in the middle of the service. But it's incredible because this is a village that previously did not have a church. And God is doing incredible things. And just probably about six or seven hours ago, they met. And it's because this is what we have the opportunity to be a part of. And that when we give, not just of our finances, but our time, our skills, all of these things, that we as a community of God are able to make an impact, not just locally, but globally as well. And so if you would like to give, there are a number of ways that we can do so. And the first is by texting the word Kensington to 77977. We can also give via the app or the website, which Robin and I do. We can also mail in a check to our physical location right here at our Troy campus. And the address is right there on that graphic. Or for those of us who are in person here in this room, there are also buckets with orange tops at every entrance and every exit as well. But we want to say thank you. Thank you so much for your open-handedness. 
And so going back to the story of Rahab, basically what had happened is, is that these officials, they came to Rahab's house and then they were gone. And so Rahab goes up to the roof and she is having this conversation with these two spies. And in that conversation, they struck a deal. And they basically said, these spies said to Rahab that if you help us escape, that when we conquer this city, and you know we will, that when we conquer it, we will spare you as well as your family. And so she said yes. And she not only helped these spies get out of the city, but also provided them with a plan as to how to get back to their people safely. And when we look at Rahab's life, there are so many things, so many lessons that we can pull out of her life. But I want to specifically talk about two today. And the first is this. And the first thing that we see in her life is that faith transforms our future. Faith transforms our future. And that something that we know about Rahab was that she was a prostitute. And prostitutes back then in the ancient world, just like today, prostitution was tolerated, but it was not socially accepted because it was a shameful thing to be a prostitute. And so often back then, just like today, the reason why women would enter into this world was due to desperation as well as exploitation. And when they entered in, it was so hard to get out of it. But this is the thing, that it was a shameful thing, like I said. It was not a good thing. And because little girls didn't grow up saying and saying to their parents, hey, mom and dad, when I grow up, I want to be a prostitute, right? That just didn't happen, right? And parents wouldn't say to their kid, oh, you know what? Keep keep dreaming big, honey. That, That didn't happen. And so this is the world that she was stuck in. And it was not good, especially in a male dominated culture where the husband was the provider and the protector to be a single female, which Rahab was, was actually a very, a very difficult But at the same time, something else that we know about Rahab was that she was poor. Because this is how Jericho was set up. And you're going to see a picture of the city, sort of like a mock picture of the city right there. And so in the center of the city, inside the inner wall, is basically where the wealthy and the important people live. You can think of that sort of like Birmingham, right? That's the Birmingham of our area, right? Right in the middle of the city. right? That's, That's where those people lived. And the reason why that place was the best place to live was that it was the most protected And then between the inner and the outer walls is where the poor lived. And so basically, as you move further and further and further out from the center of the city, people got poorer and poorer because these were less desirable places to live because they were less protected. And the thing with Rahab was, was that she didn't just live between the inner and outer walls. Her house, as scripture tells us, was actually built right in to the outer wall. So both literally and figuratively, she found herself on the outer margins of society. But sort of the cherry on top to her life was the fact that she was a Canaanite. And Canaanites were known for their detestable practices like child sacrifice as well as bestiality. And this is the woman out of every person living on earth at the time. Because we have to understand, God could have done whatever he wanted to do. He could have chosen anybody to help him. Or he could have chosen nobody. But he chooses this woman to not only deliver this city to his people, but what else he did, which is truly extraordinary, is actually he wove her into his story of salvation. And we see this in this genealogy that this series is based off of from the Gospel of Matthew. This is the genealogy or part of the genealogy where Rahab comes in. It says this, Salmon the father of Boaz, whose mother was Rahab. Boaz, the father of Obed, whose mother was Ruth. Obed, the father of Jesse, and Jesse, the father of King David. David was the father of Solomon, whose mother had been Uriah's wife. And then fast forward to the end of the genealogy in verse 16. And it ends with this. And Jacob, the father of Joseph, the husband of Mary. And Mary was the mother of Jesus, who was called the Messiah. And so what Rahab ultimately did was that she ended up marrying a guy by the name of Salmon. And what we have to understand about Salmon was, was that he was one of the two spies in Jericho that day. That was her husband, right? Like, you don't understand. You're like, oh, right? And when I read that, I was like, this is like a Hallmark movie, right? Because if you've ever seen Hallmark movies, they're like all the same. It doesn't matter whether it happens at Thanksgiving or Christmas or summertime. The storyline is all the same. It's like two people from different backgrounds with different personalities, and they overcome the odds, and they fall in love and happily ever after, right? And oftentimes it happens in a small town. But, and so this is like what I see with Rahab and Salmon, right? These guys, two very, very different people, such different backgrounds, and they come together and they get married. And I can imagine years later when people are like, oh, you guys have such a beautiful 
beautiful family. How did you guys meet? That she would say to people, oh, you know what? Our first conversation was on a rooftop under moonlight. It was so romantic. And I can imagine. But these two got together and they got married. And it says, and they had a beautiful family. And the thing is, is that what we also have to understand about Salmon was that he was a prince of the house of Judah, which meant Rahab, a poor Canaanite prostitute, she entered into and she married into one of the leading families of Israel. But in addition to that, that as we saw, when you fast forward, who Rahab is in the family line of is none other than Jesus, the Messiah, the Savior of the world, the Son of God. God chose her to be a part of her son's lineage. And it wasn't because she was the most intelligent, because she was the most talented, because she had it all together, because we all know she didn't. But rather, it was because of her capacity to trust and to believe God in the moment. Because she had a terrible past and she had so many mistakes. But in one moment, she said, Jesus, I am going all in with you. I believe there are so many gods in this world, so many things that I could chase after, but I choose to follow you and to chase after you. And God took her and he not only transformed her, but he transformed her future. And somebody, when we talk about faith transforming our future, somebody in our community who has experienced exactly this is a friend of mine named Phil Monroe. So Phil, I'd love for you to come up on stage and join me. And as he comes up, can we give him a hand? And I encourage you to, if you ever see Phil, grab him and ask him to tell you his whole story because he could be up here. You could be up here for 30 minutes, I know, probably longer, just telling your story and all of us would be on the edge of our seats because it is that compelling because God has done so much in the past few years of your life. But first of all, I want to say thanks for being here. Thank you for that Uh, because I reached out to Phil this past Friday as I was thinking about a story and I was like, who fits this? And Phil, like your story, it fits so perfectly because so many of the things that we're talking about has happened in your life. But to start off with, I'd love for you to share with us basically what happened in Haiti a handful of years ago in this life-altering decision that you made. Yeah, thank you for having me. And before I jump into my story yeah. here real quick, I just want to ask everyone in the congregation, um, if you could please, uh, if it, you find it on your heart, put out your prayers for Haiti, for that nation. Um, if you haven't heard uh, this week, the, the president of Haiti was assassinated, and that country is just in tremendous turmoil right now. And it, my journey started in Haiti um, on April 6th of 2017. My wife, Marianne, who is here, uh, definitely my first ministry and the love of my life, um, she took me on a mission trip down to, to Haiti, which we thought we were going to go down there and rebuild houses after Hurricane Matthew had gone through that, uh, that country uh, in late 2016. God had other plans, and on that trip, I gave my life to Christ at 7.02 a.m. on a rooftop. And on that trip, um, the transformation of my life started. When we give our life to Christ, Jesus doesn't just change us. He, he, the Bible tells us that we are a new creation, and we are created new. And my journey started at that point in time, and, and it's transformed me into something just that I could never have even imagined of where we are right now. The transformation started from my life being all about me to my life now being all about others and serving and helping others. That's beautiful and exactly like that, right? And so you had this shift and so obviously it impacted, one of the ways, not obviously, but one of the things that it impacted was your future path. And I feel like you were headed on this path and then you made that decision and that decision to follow Jesus, and now you have been on a completely different path. And even this past year, so many things have happened and changed in your life in terms of your career. And so I'd love for you to tell us a little bit more about that. Yeah, when, you're, when you give, for me, when I gave my life to Christ, I kept wanting to do things the way that I wanted to do life. But Jesus always has a, a way of steering us into ways that he wants us to be, especially when we become that new creation. And that's where our faith walk comes in. And we start taking these little small steps. And before long, these little small steps, all of a sudden you're, you're from here and you're way over here. And what happened in between is Jesus Christ. And you're like, well, how did I get here? And, and he really starts calling us out to do some more bold things. And one of the things that in the middle of the pandemic I really learned about myself was that I feel like my purpose and my passion and my, and my gifting in life is to go out and help others discover what their true identity is and what their true purpose is in life. And what we need to realize was the last 33 years of my life, I've been a restaurant guy. I was the managing partner at the Capitol Grill. I had a great job with a great company, a great future, 
retirement, everything. But Jesus was calling me to step out of the boat, step out onto my faith. And what he told me that he was going to have for me was just something that was so remarkable that I just had to take the step. And I just had to take, you know, that step out of the boat. And what, what he birthed out of that was an incredible ministry that he brought to me um, to help others. And, and that ministry is called Miriam's Miracle. And Miriam's Miracle, it's a, it's a nonprofit that actually resides within the Abide uh, community. And Abide uh, houses start at ministries. And, and what I do through Abide and, or through Miriam's Miracle is I provide services of, of one-on-one coaching and mentoring for people who are discovering who they are and discovering what their journey is, discovering what their faith walk looks like, discovering what's next. I help them do that. And Miriam's Miracle allows me to do that without charging any of those services for those people. And I really rely on the donations that come in for me to do God's work of what he's calling me to be available mm-hmm. for these people. That's incredible because, like, you're on this path, right? Like, you have built this incredible career with this great company. You have a great salary, right, one that comes in every single month and that you're able to live off of. And you feel like God is saying, hey, you know what? Take a different path. And right now, you're not even charging anyone, right? And so you go from salary to no salary. And so that's a huge step of faith. And just saying, God, I trust you, right? Just like you've provided for me in the past, like you're going to provide for me right now. It just reminds me of Joshua in this story. And something that I am also just so impressed by, and, I, and I've experienced it in my life, and I know you have as well, is that when we actually say yes to Jesus and that we move in this direction, and he not only transforms our future, but he also uses us to transform others. And so I know other people have been impacted, not just locally, but globally, but through your life and through your relationship with Jesus. So I'd love for you to talk a little bit more about that. Yeah, when we, when we choose to, to take the, the path of our faith and we choose to step out and, and do things, and, and some things bold, like, not everybody's faith is calling you to, to step out and leave your job. That just happened to be the path I was on. Um, but people take notice, and people want to know more about you, and they want to hear about your story, and, and they want to learn more about you. And through Miriam's Miracle and some other, other avenues that I've had the pleasure of, of working with in the last, you know, couple of years, one gentleman I, I came across, uh, he lives down in uh, Ghana, Africa. And I did, a, I did a group study with him for the last 12 weeks, um, just on helping him figure out how he can change his world down in, in Ghana, Africa. And at the end of the 12 weeks, I just asked him, I said, Maxwell, what's next? And he said, I'm in education, and I want to make a difference in my country, but the leader above me just doesn't want to see the change. He goes, so I'm looking for a coach that can help me become a better leader so I can make a better impact in my, in my world, in my country. And he asked me if I would coach him. And so I've been working with him for a couple of weeks now, and... and He's now working with two, two young men in that country and, and helping them, you know, change their, their trajectory and their path. That's so cool. Thanks, Phil. Yeah. Appreciate it. Let me ask you one more thing. If people want to get in touch with you, how can they do that? Yeah, if you want to get in touch with me, the easiest way really is to go to my website. Uh, that is miriamsmiracle.com. Um, so it's actually, it's miriams-miracle.com. That'll take you right to my website. You can, um, you can message me right through there and send me a message. Or if you feel led to, to help donate to the, to the cause, you can certainly do, do any uh, donations right there as well. Awesome. Thanks so. so much, Phil. Can we give this guy a hand? And so I love the way that God operates in our lives and that he, when we say yes to him, he not only changes our future, but he also uses us to transform the future of others. That's what we see with Phil's life. That's what so many of us have experienced. That's also what we see with Rahab as well. Because the thing is, is that when Rahab, as we talked about, when Rahab goes up to that roof, her rooftop, and she has this conversation with the spies, they make a deal and they say, hey, you know what? If you help us escape, then when we conquer this city, we will spare you and your family. And that's exactly what happened. The only people who were spared when those walls came down were Rahab and her family. And not being dead, I would argue, is a pretty big future change, is a pretty big trajectory change. But not only did they remain alive, but the future of her family was changed forever because she is a poor Canaanite prostitute and her future and her family's future is basically moving in this direction. But as we saw and as we read in Matthew chapter one in that genealogy, that future took a very, very different turn. Because as we read, Rahab married Salmon. And they had a son named Boaz. And Boaz married a woman named Ruth, who Aaron actually talked about last week. And then they had a son named Obed, who had a son named Jesse, who had a son named David. 
none other also known as King David. And so Rahab becomes the great-great-grandmother of one of the greatest kings of all of Israel, in the history of Israel. And after David came people of value, valor, virtue, as well as character. People like Hezekiah, Josiah, as well as Joseph. And then this genealogy ultimately leads up to Jesus, the Son of God, the Savior of the world. That is who Rahab is in the family line of. It's extraordinary. It does a total 180. And the thing is, is that I truly believe that Rahab, that when she was changed, her faith influenced this trajectory because her faith impacted future generations. And this is how God wants us to live, is that our faith is not just simply meant to be kept to ourselves. Our faith is personal, but it is never, ever meant to be private. In that I don't understand people who say, hey, you know what? Like this faith that I have, this relationship with God is just me and God, right? Never talk about it, right? It's just me and him. And that makes no sense to me because when we actually look at the scriptures, God actually tells us to do the total opposite thing. And that he says is that when I have changed your life, I want you to go out and I want you to shout it from the rooftops. And I want, to, I want you to tell everyone you can with your words, through your actions, through your entire life about who I am. And why wouldn't we do this? Because honestly, when we experience something great and beautiful in our lives, and it could be a great meal, we could watch an incredible movie, we could go to one of the most beautiful places on earth, and when we actually experience these great things, what so many of us do is that we'll go on social media and we'll tell people about it, or we'll go and we'll text people or whatever it is, but we share the good news. Why would we not share this news, the greatest news in the world or of our lives with other people? And that's what I believe that Rahab did. And it changed not only her future, but the future of others forever. And so this is the question that I wanna ask us today, is that when we actually look at our lives, and even as we're moving through this day, is there an area of your life where God is asking you to trust him in? Just like he asked Rahab, I want you to trust me. Right? Even though your people are moving in this direction, I want you to begin moving in a completely different direction. I want you to trust me. Just like Phil had that earlier this year and saying, God, I trust you. He walked away from an incredible job with a great company, with a great future to move in a totally different direction. He said, God, I trust you. And maybe for some of us, it's not an area of our life, but maybe it's our whole life that he is asking us to trust us in. And maybe for some of you here and watching on stream, today is your day just like it was for Phil a handful of years ago at 7.02 in Haiti with that sunrise. And it was his day and it was his moment. Maybe today is your moment today. And if you wanna make that decision, it doesn't have to be this big spectacle. You don't have to put your hand up. You don't have to stand up. But all you have to do is to have a conversation with Jesus and to say, and that's what prayer is, and to say, Jesus, I want to follow you as my Lord and Savior for the rest of my life. That's what it takes. Or maybe for some of us, it's trusting Jesus with an area of our life. Maybe it might be with our children, our marriage. It could be with our career, our finances, maybe our future. But what is it for you? Because when we say yes to Jesus, no matter what has happened in our lives, no matter what we have done or has been done to us, he is able to use us in unimaginable ways. Because our future doesn't have to be determined by the things that we've done. It doesn't have to be determined by our mistakes or even the mistakes of others, but rather by our capacity to trust God in the moment. That's what we see with Rahab. Because I know that for some of us here, some of us watching today, that we walked in and we feel so incredibly heavy. Maybe it's the things that we've done or the things that have been done to us. And when we look and when we, when we, when we experience God and we look at God today, we're like, you know what? God could never, ever use me. Maybe him, maybe her, maybe that person over there because they haven't experienced what I've experienced. And no matter what that is, what this story tells us and so many other stories in the scriptures is that God is a God, not just of second chances, not of third chances, but of hundred thousands of chances. He always keeps coming because God is a God of restoration and redemption. So that is what we're also going to be singing. And so our band is going to lead us in a song and we wanna enter into this moment right now. And this song 
speaks exactly to what we just talked about today and that God sees our weaknesses. He sees everything that has happened in our lives and what he does is that he says, I love you, I choose you and I will use all of that. And it's this incredible song called Graves into Gardens because that's what he does. He takes the things that are dead and he resuscitates them and he creates beauty out of that. So if you're able to, we'd love for you to stand and join us and let's sing this out together.
What a great way to end the day, everybody. Hey, just a few reminders before we go. Don't, don't forget about midweek Wednesday out on the lawn. If you are somebody who is uh, relatively new with us, we'd love to meet you out in the lobby. We have something called the Hub. You see people with orange shirts on. We'd love to meet you out there. Also, if anybody would like to receive prayer, somebody to pray for them, with them, our prayer team will also be down front. But thanks so much for being here, everyone. Have a great, great rest of your weekend. You've been listening to the Kensington Church Podcast. If you've enjoyed this recording, check back weekly for new content. You can find Kensington on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, and of course, at kensingtonchurch.org.